welcome back to Too Smart For This. It's your host, Alexis Barber. And today I am answering your burning, never-ending questions about life at Wharton. So I just finished my first semester at the Wharton School where I'm getting my MBA. It is a two-year program. Wharton is the top-ranked business school and the oldest business school in the country. And it's been a wild ride, so I want to answer every single one of your questions and give you all the tea on exactly what my life has been like. If you want to see more of what my day-to-day looks like, I vlog pretty frequently on TikTok. I do little like days in the life. And then of course I have longer vlogs here on YouTube that you can check out because my semester was so tumultuous personally, they weren't super consistent, which I can 100% admit to, but I'm really excited because I have a really good system in place for the second semester. So there's gonna be way more content for you. And I'm really excited because I just love sharing my life with you and it's so much fun. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started with answering all of your Wharton questions. So I'm gonna be doing my makeup while I do this because one thing about me is I have to multitask. So the way I wanna do this is I wanna break it down into the categories that I get the most questions about and then answer questions within each of those categories. So we'll start with an overview of business school and what it's about. Then we'll jump into the academics part of it, then into the clubs part of it, then into social and then into travel and then into finances. So those five categories are where we're gonna start. Okay, so let's do an overview of business school. What is business school? Why do people go and how do you apply? So business school is a typically a two-year program that people decide to go to for a variety of reasons. It's a graduate degree, so you do need an undergraduate degree before you apply. Typically people decide to go to business school um, about three to eight years after they've graduated from undergrad. So it's very different from the more popular and traditional law school where you could go straight through because it's really important that you have work experience before you get to business school. So this is because in the business world, I think that things are, it's a little hard to learn business without doing business first. So for that reason, one of the ways, the way that I applied was through something called a deferred enrollment program. And many of the top business schools have this and a way to attract and get young talent who might not otherwise get an MBA. So for me, I was going to work in tech after graduation and tech is not that popular of an industry for people who get MBAs. So getting an MBA is a pretty traditional business thing, I guess you could say. So there's a lot of bankers, there's a lot of consultants, Um, I believe that literally like 60 to 70% of the class was either in banking or consulting prior to Wharton. So it's a pretty traditional thing that a lot of people in traditional industries get. So if you're working in healthcare, Wharton has a really big healthcare program. If you're going to be working with um, consulting or banking, it's a very popular and almost expected thing that you're going to get your MBA. But Other reasons that people decide to apply to get their MBA are to do a career switch. So for example, let's say that you did work in consulting for two years post-grad, but you don't really like it and you'd much rather work in something like finance, then you would apply to get your MBA, get to the school, and then recruit for finance. And then the reason that this happened is because the big firms from each of all of these different industries go to these schools to recruit talent, which is why you're going to want to get your MBA because once you have that Wharton you know, access, from there you can get the opportunity to intern and then later work at these big firms. So 
for people who worked in an industry where they're trying to make a change or leave that industry, that's typically a big reason people get their MBA because it's really hard to go from consulting to banking just like by applying for the job because you don't have experience and because you don't, I guess, like have the background. Whereas you're at business school getting a well-rounded business background that you can apply to this new industry that you're going to be joining. So that's why people get their MBAs is to usually make a career change or to further their careers. For me, the reason I decided to get my MBA was um, through the MOLIS Deferred Enrollment Program, which I mentioned before. I worked in tech and tech is like a pretty popular industry. Obviously people like it. If, you don't, if you're new here, I was the global shorts content strategist at YouTube. Prior to that, I was an APMM associate product marketing manager at Google. So I worked in tech and when I was a junior in college, I applied to this summer program at Harvard Business School where basically you would intern or you would spend a week at HBS learning what they did as MBAs and like see if you like it and learn like sort of the value of getting an MBA. So for me, I learned through that program that I wanted to get an MBA because I just knew that one, as a black woman, you can never be too educated. And having an MBA would be what sort of set me apart and it would help me get into industries and get into doors that I wouldn't otherwise have. Wharton specifically has a very strong finance sector and a very strong finance reputation. One of our most famous alumni, Donald Trump, for example, only calls it the Wharton School of Finance because that's what he believes it to be. You know, he's dumb, but he knows what he's talking about in that sense. It's a very quantitative heavy school. And I knew for me, I didn't have those quant chops that I definitely like feel like I would need to, that's like definitely where my biggest weakness is on my resume is in quant and operations and that type of thing. And I wanted to have a really strong background in that. And with a Wharton MBA, you can't deny me anything. With a Wharton MBA, you can't say I'm dumb. You can't say I, I, don't, I don't qualify. Like it gives you a seat at the table. I think that's really, it's something you can't argue with. And so for me, that's why I, I wanted to apply at that time is because I knew like one, I had interned at Google already and I knew that I didn't want to be there forever. And I wanted to give myself flexibility in my early career so that like, let's say I would get to Google and not know what I wanted to do next um, or hate it, for example, or wanted to take my, a bet on myself and do entrepreneurship that I would know that no matter what, it's fine because I can go to Wharton. And I'm so happy I did that because when I got to Google, I did hate the APMM program. And I left that prestigious program for a job that was way better for me, but it didn't have the name brand that the APMM program did. So I could, but I only could do that because I knew I would have Wharton later. So if you're watching this or listening to this and you are in college or you're in a master's program, I highly recommend that you do these deferred enrollment programs because it gives you a peace of mind that is so invaluable. So I would absolutely recommend it. Um, a lot of you guys have messaged me on Instagram saying you ended up applying to like 2 plus 2 or MOLIS or things like that. And I am always happy to give you advice. I'll send you voice messages on how to prepare. Like it's so, it was so life-changing for me and that's why I decided to apply. For me, the real reason of getting an MBA was because I always knew I wanted to do entrepreneurship. I have always known I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I heard this idea from a woman who, the founder of Stitch Fix, she also knew she wanted to be an entrepreneur, but she was like, 
pretty risk averse and she didn't want to like just quit her job and like work on a startup. She wanted to have something in the background. So she chose to go to HBS where she worked on her startup where she built, built Stitch Fix, etc. So for me, I was like, if I want to do entrepreneurship, I will do it while I'm at Wharton and then have e I either graduate with a great business and a great degree or at least a great degree that I can use to get me anywhere I want to go in life. So it's sort of just like a risk averse situation. So that's sort of the background on business school, why I applied, why people apply and what the situation is like, what's going on here. So let's break down the business school landscape for a little bit clearer, like vision of what we're doing here. There are a ton of business schools in the world, and there's also online and part-time MBA programs. This is not going to be touching on part-time or online MBA programs because I don't know anything about that. What I am most like well-versed in through the application process and through my connections and my friends is the M7 or the top 15 to 25 business schools. The M7 stands for the top seven business schools. And that is where like my expertise pretty much lies. And so that's what I'm really gonna talk to you guys about today because Wharton is number one, sometimes number two, but pretty universally like known as like the best. There's Harvard Business School. So well, basically like the top three programs are Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. Harvard is like name brand obviously, and it's more of a school for nerds is how we talk about it because their academics are a lot less lenient. We'll get into academics in a second. And obviously the name brand there is is great. Stanford is like known as like sort of the entrepreneurship school, which people often ask me, why didn't you apply? Because I hate the Bay Area. Um, and that's sort of like the like venture capital like type type of school. And then there's Wharton, which is like the finance classic school. You know what I mean? So those are the top three programs. And then there is the other M7, which like I will leave a link to or I'll put them on the screen here. And these programs are two-year full-time residential programs. So you are living on either on campus or near campus. You're going to class every day. It's two years. You're not working while you're there. So you don't have a full-time job while you're there. And you are going to be going to classes, et cetera, et cetera. In the middle of those two years, you typically are recruiting for an internship. Usually people want that internship to convert into a full-time offer. But most of the time, you're going to be working in that summer pretty much no matter what. So you're gonna be recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like that covers like the baseline of what this is, so let's jump into academics. So MBAs are very different from other graduate programs because your grades are pretty much irrelevant to your life. Um, and this is because of something called grade non-disclosure. Grade non-disclosure means that firms or companies that you're applying to do not have the right to look at your transcript or your grades so you don't have to share them with them. So your grades literally do not matter. Um, this is very different from law school where your ranking is sort of really important for you when you're applying to school or when you're applying to work at different firms or other graduate programs like your PhD or studying like a master's degree where your grades really do matter because when you're recruiting, they are looking at your transcript. For example, when I was an undergrad, um, when I was recruiting for consulting, I did consulting recruiting and I worked at Accenture for a summer. Um, and then of course I went to Google. My GPA did matter then, um, a lot. And like, they weren't going to take you if your GPA was like below a three, five, you know what I mean? Whereas like in business school, your GPA doesn't matter. So when you guys ask me, how do you travel all the time? How are you doing this? It doesn't look like you do any schoolwork. First of all, I do. And I feel like I do a good job of showing that, but I pretty much do the bare minimum because my grades don't matter like at all. 
for some people who are recruiting, like they might want to like really be learning something or their grades really do matter, or they don't have a good business background or business experience and they do want to get a good GPA. I have a few friends who are like that, but for me, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to do entrepreneurship. So unless a class is genuinely really helpful for me and my business, then I'm not going to try and I'm going to give it the bare minimum and I'm going to see and I'm going to graduate and that's what matters. So it's important to know that like it's very different, but that's sort of what allows for the flexibility and the fun that comes in business school. So the realities of my Wharton academic experience are pretty grim. Um, I would say like in my first semester, when I'm looking at the classes that I took, I didn't really enjoy anything, to be honest with you. There was a class that I thought I would really like, like a marketing and science of creativity class. Um, but it was ended up not really being very fun. I also took venture capital like an um, about like entrepreneurial management and like how to raise capital and like I thought it would be great but turns out the professor has like literally been working here since I was born and like also just kind of like focused too much on the quant like the equations for exactly how to value a company when in reality like VC doesn't even do that anymore like uh, there's there's so many different ways to value a company like why are we learning these like random equations that probably won't matter in five years so I think like it just overall like I was pretty disappointed with the academics the way it works is that you have um, core classes that everyone has to take and then you have which is about like half of the credits you'll need to, in total and then you'll have about a fourth of those credits that you need in total that will go towards your major and then another fourth that you can use for electives and so I took one elective course and then the majority, or I took two elective courses that were each half a credit unit. Those are the two ones I talked about, which I didn't really like, VC and marketing. And then I also took um, all my core classes. So I took statistics, economics, a leadership class, and a marketing class, and my required communications class are the classes I took. Now, I do think that the courses are expected to get a lot better and a lot more meaningful in the second semester and when you can do more like more things that you actually want to learn. I will say overall, there are great professors here. I mean, Adam Grant, Angela Duckworth, like there are amazing professors here. But you just don't really get access to those classes when you are a first semester first year. You know what I mean? So overall, academics, are they hard? Now, I think that like Wharton gets this, has this sort of reputation of being like, grades don't matter, we're so chill, we're such a chill girl school. And while like, I definitely think there is that general sentiment, like when we're all talking about grades, there is still, you still don't wanna like, oh, grades don't matter, like I'm not gonna do my homework. You still have homework to do. You still don't want to be in, you still have, you still have homework to do. You still have attendance policies where you have to show up and you still don't want to be sitting at an exam knowing zero information. Like you can't get C's in everything or and still like graduate from Wharton. You know what I mean? So you still want to have like some pretty like you need to be strategic about the way that you approach academics basically is what I'm trying to say. And so for me, like in my marketing or my legal studies classes, like I knew that was going to be an easy A. So I just like did everything I could to ensure that easy A. Whereas in my like econ class, I knew I was gonna get a C in that from the jump. And I don't care about econ, so I didn't spend a time, a lot of time actively trying to learn econ because genuinely I don't care and it doesn't matter for my life, you know? So that's the truth on the academics piece, honestly. It's really not that insane, um, but it is, it is, it is challenging to manage it all at once and it's definitely like a learning curve. But now that I've got my first semester down, I kind of understand how I'm gonna 
navigate next semester where it's like I have a corporate finance class, for example, that's known to be really hard. So I know I'm going to corporate finance office hours every week and I'm just adding that to my calendar so that that's something I know I have to do so that I don't end up in a place like I was in econ where I'm staring at the exam and I don't know anything on it. So academics are a lot more intense than you would think, even though they don't necessarily matter because you have to manage it. You don't have to succeed at it, but you have to manage it. Next up, let's talk about the social aspects. Start and we'll break this into two categories. The first will be like clubs and being involved with like Wharton proper. And the second will sort of be like partying and actually like making friends and stuff like that. So as I said before, a lot of the reason that people come to business school is to, you know, get an education, switch careers, etc. But the biggest reason people come to business school is to build connections. And for me, building connections was most important because I just felt like I didn't really know who I was in undergrad and I feel like I was like pretty all over the place. So it was really good for me to, I, and now that I feel more confident and like I and know that I'm genuinely passionate about business, it's a much better place for me to be in. And I was really excited to build connections and meet people here. Also, the majority of people here are really smart, really accomplished, and they have connections and job experience in things that you would truly never imagine. So I really love that aspect of it. And I was really excited to meet people from all different like walks of life. So we'll start with like the club scene. So at Wharton, there are tons and tons of clubs and clubs are going to be really important because that's really where you connect with people with shared interests, not just the people in your cohort or the people you randomly met somewhere. You have shared interests in these clubs. So that's really where a lot of things like a lot of connections get formed. So there are two types of clubs. There are professional clubs, which are clubs that you're gonna be in because you, like for example, there's the Private Equity and Venture Capital Club. And that club has connections to all of the different private equity and venture capital firms. So you wanna be in that club because every week they send out an email that's like, here's all the internship opportunities. Here's all of the, we're hosting a coffee chat with these people from this firm, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so those are important clubs to be a part of. But those clubs also have like a social aspect. So for example, you saw the gala that I went to um, in my last vlog was the PEVC, the Private Equity and Venture Capital Club gala. So it's a fun like social event that everybody can go to even if they aren't in the club. Um, and so that's an important thing too. So those are like the professional clubs. And then there's like the fun clubs and like the athletic clubs. So some of the fun clubs are like the hockey club. So there's a ton of people who are in hockey and there's a ton of different teams and they literally play ice hockey every Sunday night at like midnight. And then they go out afterwards and they have like these great teams and like a ton of bonding experiences and stuff like that. And then there is the food club where student chefs will host meals in their apartment for 10 to 12 people like every week. And you can go and make new friends and eat food, et cetera, et cetera. So there's clubs for different things. Um, and they're a really great way to meet new people, step out of your comfort zone and have a lot of fun with different people. So I really love that. And so clubs like are something you should definitely research and know a lot about before you get to school if you are planning on coming to whatever school you're going to. And there's a club for everything. There's a club for every interest. There's a club for every industry. Like you're not going to be left behind in the clubs. There's so much out there. The other part of the social aspect is like simply like the going out and the meeting people. And so for me, I felt really lucky that I met people at Admitted Students Weekend who I really jived with and I went on a trip with them over the summer and then I got to school and I had people that I knew who they were. And obviously because I'm black, 
Um, there's a huge and a very tight-knit black community at Wharton, which is the reason I ended up choosing the school, in fact, because I didn't feel that that same sense of community existed at other business schools. And the Wharton black community is like very well known. And so essentially that was really helpful too, coming into school where we had like the black students association basically like sets up a separate orientation for us before orientation starts so that we have the connection and the, like the community sort of like uplifting before we start school. And then they also do um, preparation sessions throughout the year, stuff like that. It's really, really nice. So for that, that's sort of like a an example of a club and like making friends through there. The other way you sort of make friends is really through your cohort. So the people that you're like assigned to be in the same cohort as. And then there's also just like different parties and stuff like that. I would say that if you are not an extrovert, I mean, I guess I'll say this. I'm an extrovert. Um, they make us do like a personality test when we get here. And my extroversion was 4.75 out of 5. Like I'm, I like being outside. I get energy from being around people. Some people don't get that. And so I think if you're an introvert, it is really hard, but you really have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, it's going to be like sort of like a waste of time and money because you're here to meet people. You're here to build connections. So you really do need to be outside. And it's hard for me even too, because like I like love being at home and like this semester I literally went through a breakup like I didn't want to be outside as much so I feel like literally like it's super individual and it's super annoying but you do and it, but it's always worth it like the people I've met it's 100,000% worth it like going out and like being outside like it's always worth it to hang out with people and meet people so we have a ton of parties and events at Wharton and it's like a very big going out culture which I think is important to know um, but of course, you can sort of like make it happen the way you want. So for example, like there will be parties and events every single week. And it's good, I think, in the first semester at least to go to all of them and like see what you like and see what you don't like. But after a while, like next semester, I don't plan on going to every single party because I've done this before. I've done the rounds. I know who you guys are like whatever. I want to focus on building more intentional like one on one relationships. But there's probably like a big party pretty much every week, starting with like white party, then we had hockey party, then we had Bacchus ball, which is like the wine club party, then we had like Halloween, then there's like a new event and you can watch my vlogs on TikTok if you want to see them, like there was a new event every week and they're really fun events and stuff like that, but it's obviously really draining, but that's really how you like meet people and connect. So all these parties are going to be things that you're really I don't know, like you have a new outfit for, you're excited, you're going out, stuff like that. And I feel like that's a really fun like aspect of the entire like experience. They call it a two year vacation, a two year party. That's really what it's about. Um, and I honestly have enjoyed like pretty much all of my like parties and stuff like that. I had fun all the time. Um, and when it comes to like socially, I feel like people ask a lot, like, are there clicks? Like, how do you make friends? And I think that people are way too used to creating like the idea of like a click. It's just a friend group. Like people naturally migrate to who they enjoy spending time with. And if that's not you, it's not anything personal. I wouldn't call it a click. I would say like, if someone doesn't want to hang out with you, they, like it's because you guys don't vibe. It's not because they're being mean. And so I have always known that, I guess. And so when I got here and people would complain about there being clicks or people would complain about like not being invited to things, I was like, why would you want to be invited to something where people didn't actively want you there? What? Are you okay? Like, no, like that's not the tea. So basically like I found that people are like a little petty in that way where they see people hanging out and they're like, why aren't they hanging out with me or whatever? And people can't, you can't include everybody all the time. And so 
I think it's important for you to go in and look for your friends and be excited about that and not worry about anybody else. I wasn't concerned. Like, oh, like I would see a cool girl who was like dressed really well or looked really cool in the hallway and I'd go up to them and be like, I love your outfit. What's your name? Like, let's be friends. Or like I'd meet someone out and I'd be like, oh my God, like it was so nice to meet you. Let's get coffee. Not like, oh, those are, that's a group of people that I see hanging out. Like I want to go hang out with them. Why aren't they hanging out without me? They're rude. What? Just find people that you like. Like you have to be super focused on yourself and what you genuinely want. Not like how to be friends, like being friends with people. You know what I mean? So that's important. I think that kind of covers the social aspect. I think the best part of the whole experience has been connecting with people I never would have imagined knowing at all. Like, who are you? Like, this is so crazy. Like, I have a ton of friends who are veterans, who I have a newfound respect for the veteran community. I have a ton of friends who worked in finance and private equity in worlds that I don't even understand, but are so cool. I have friends who worked in healthcare, venture capital, I have friends who worked in traditional banking, like all these different backgrounds that are so interesting and they have such cool stories that I just am so impressed by. So I would say that just that like aspect of meeting people alone is so valuable. Now let's chat finances and travel. I'll start with travel because it's sort of where we begin in this situation. So in my first semester at Wharton, I travel, I did two domestic, I did three domestic trips and two international trips. And travel is a big part of the experience here. And I can honestly say that my trips were where I, I formed the most connected bonds with people. And I got to know people that I had like seen in passing or maybe were in my cohort, but I didn't really know them personally. And I got to really connect with them one-on-one -on -one in a way that really built like a long-term relationship. So I think that's an important factor is that the travel is expensive. It's a big part of the experience and it's worth it, I think. So if you can save for the travel, I absolutely would. The way the travel works in business school, people are always asking me on my TikToks, like, why are you guys traveling? Is it for school? There's two ways. The first is there's school-sponsored like classes that happen internationally. So, for example, over winter break, there are trips to like the desert where you learn like leadership and you get like a half a credit unit. Or there's a luxury retail in France credit that I really want to do. Um, I didn't get into it this year because it's only for second years, but there's that like where you would get a credit unit and you'd also be traveling internationally. Now you pay for the international travel yourself, but you're getting the credit unit too. And then, so that's sort of like the more rare travel. The more common travel is either travel that's just like organized by you and your friends or it's put on by a club. So when I went to South Africa, for example, that was put on by the Africa Students Association. And it was 50 of us on the official trip where we paid money to a travel agency. They handled everything. We just had to buy our flights. And every day there was an itinerary, there were meals provided, and there was like transportation provided. And in addition to that South Africa trip where the 50 of us were on the official, there were maybe 50 or 100 students who did like what we call a shadow trek where they would organize it themselves or get their own travel agency for groups of like between five and 20. And then they would also be there at the same time we were there. So we might meet up with them at the club or something, but it was like their own little trip. So we had that. And so then the same thing with Columbia, we had a 400 person official trip. And then we had a unofficial trip um, where there were people who had their own things that they organized and we just met up with them every so often. So those trips are pretty expensive. I think my the Columbia one was like 1500 plus flights. The South Africa one was like 2500 plus flights. And then of course they have everything you need to buy for them. 
And then the two, the three domestic trips I did were the Poconos, which is like a mountain drive, like a mountain area outside of Pennsylvania or in Pennsylvania that we all went to for Labor Day weekend. Um, and that was probably like $500 total paying for like all of the stuff we were doing there. And then we went to Miami for Harvard Stanford Wharton, where it's like a tradition where every year the black students at Harvard Stanford and Wharton's MBA programs go somewhere um, for a trip. And so we went to Miami. And then I also went to Miami again this past weekend for Art Basel slash my birthday. There was an official Wharton trip going on, but I sort of just went as my birthday trip and like hung out with people ad hoc. So it's pretty expensive. And then next semester, I'm going to be going to Austria for a European ski trip, Park City for the black ski trip, then Japan for spring break, and then probably another um, domestic trip at some point too. So there's a lot of travel. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Like I love travel. So it's something that really excites me. But yeah, it's like a big part of the experience and I'd highly recommend it. So we'll end this episode talking about finances and how expensive it is. So the sticker price for a Wharton education is over the course of the two years, including quote, like their estimated living expenses is about $250,000. So $125,000 a year. So that tuition is about $100,000 a year and that 25,000 is you're supposed to be your living expenses. Now with the trips I just told you, with the cost of rent in Philadelphia, with the food, with the parties, I think I mentioned before, the parties are all between 50 and $100 each. Like you're not just going to a party for fun. You're paying for an open bar usually and like a band and a DJ sometimes. So every, I would, I was shocked how many times, like I thought the parties would just be like once a month. The parties are once a week. So I'm spending between five and $600 a month on party tickets, not to mention dresses, outfits, Ubers, pregames, etc. It's pretty expensive. So the living expenses, that 25,000 number, triple it. Triple it. Like it's it's very expensive to do this, I think, with the most benefit from it. It's doable to do it with less, 100%. But money is what talks in business. And it's the difference between a good MBA experience and a great MBA experience, they say this all over Reddit all the time, is money. And so if you can, you take out the loans. If you can, you have to think really intelligently about how you're going to manage your finances while you're here. For me, I knew being an influencer while I was here, that's gonna, that's my income source and it's very, very helpful for me. Otherwise, I really don't know what I would do. Um, so if you can find some sort of like side gig, I'd do that. And if you are planning on recruiting to an industry where you're gonna make a ton of money, then I would take out and that's sort of what everyone says here. And so I, I know it's scary to take out loans, but everyone I've talked to is like, it's so worth it and you pay it back. And everyone, I, I'm not just saying everyone I talk to who's at Wharton. Everyone I've talked to who's graduated from Wharton is like, I can't believe I ever worried about the loans. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you pay it back and it's worth the experiences because you only get the opportunity to have these experiences once. Like, it's never going to happen again. You're never going to have the chance to go on a trip with 200 people to Columbia again. You know, like, take out the loans, have the good experience and move on. That's sort of what the advice has generally been. For me, I don't have to do that as much because I have the income from content creation and I'm really grateful for that. But I won't lie to you, it is very hard to manage content creation. It means that I have to sacrifice being a part of clubs and it means I have to sacrifice going out sometimes because I am focused on content. So it is very hard to have a full-time job while I'm here, but I'm making it work for me and I think in the best possible way because I get to share my life, you know what I mean? Like it's a good, it's a good gig. Um, I won't ever complain except for when I am complaining because I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs>
So it's very expensive. You can get scholarships. If you're applying, I would look into consortium. If you're applying and you're black and brown, I would look into MLT. Um, and once you're here, there's opportunities for fellowships and for financial aid as well. So there's tons of opportunities. It's something that you need to do a lot of specific research about. I just want to be real with you and say that $25,000 a year or whatever that you're, you're like getting to like your living expenses, that's not going to cut it. It's expensive and save your money and come do it because it's so much fun. It's such a good experience. Like we all get so scared about money sometimes. And I think because I grew up really poor, um, I would get scholarships to things or it was like, I guess because I grew up at the bottom, I'm not afraid of, I guess, like not having money or I'm not afraid of like, because I've been there, like I can go back and I'll be okay. And something that, that always happened for me growing up was it always works out. Like you always figure it out. When it comes to money, you can always figure it out. Don't let it be that. Don't let it be the thing that stops you because you can always figure something out with money. Um, and maybe I'll have to do like a whole episode on that. But I really think that I covered everything in this video about my first semester. I've made great friends. I've had mediocre academic experiences. I've spent a ton of money and I've enjoyed myself. I've run myself health wise into the ground. So my intention for the second semester is to drink less alcohol and to be more focused on my health. But I have no regrets for my first semester. Uh, because I did everything I needed to do while going through a breakup and trying to manage 45 things at once. But now I feel really empowered to like make the next three semesters really good for me. So I hope you guys enjoyed this and I hope it was helpful. I love you so, so, so much and I can't wait for next week's episode. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you like this video, make sure that you are connected and, and everything. And don't forget, you are too smart to not love yourself.